0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on who our heart says he is. I'm excited. This week is Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. And so um, I would like to say again, last week I ended up talking about sports, and it was Super Bowl Sunday, and I didn't plan it. And today I want to talk about our hearts, and I didn't plan it. It'd be cool if I did. The Holy Spirit's good, though. He's good at doing that stuff, isn't he? This morning again, like last week, I'm like going to wear a whistle and be a coach before I realize it was Super Bowl Sunday, and today I'm going to talk about our hearts. And I thought about getting all these heart balloons and all this stuff and didn't even realize it was Valentine's week, but that's okay. I want us to ask a question today. Who does our heart say that he is? Who does your heart say that he is? Let's look at 1 Samuel 16. Jump in there today. 1 Samuel 16. I know we made a little passing statement earlier, but it's so good to have Judah with us today. I think they, he's out. Oh, you got him. How did you do that? Brittany has him right now. Michaela had Judah a couple of weeks ago and brought him today. And so what a blessing, what a gift, what a beautiful life. Now, I've got right in the same light, true there, Mert holding hers. It's amazing what God is bringing, the life that he's giving. We thank him for that. And continue to ask for more. Amen. First Samuel 16. Let's look at verse 6. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is Samuel when he's going in to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king, and all the sons come before him, and Eliab came through, comes through, and Samuel thinks, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Look at Acts 13, 21, Starting in verse 21. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, For 40 years. After he had removed him. He raised up David. To be their king. Concerning whom he also testified. And said. I have found David. The son of Jesse. A man after my heart. Who will do all my will. From the descendants of this man. According to promise. God has brought to Israel. A savior. Jesus. So David had a heart after, but he, he was a man after God's heart. He had rejected Eliab. I think an interesting note is in 1 Samuel, just to lay some foundation here as we get started. 1 Samuel 17, 28. I don't know if anybody's ever put this together before. It kind of just hit me this week. I've read these and used these different texts and sermons in the past, but I never really tied the two together in First Samuel 17, 28. Now, Eliab, this is when David goes to the battle to bring crackers and cheese, right, to his brothers at the battle, and he's not even there to fight, okay? And he starts asking, what in the world is going on? This man has been coming up here, calling us out all these days, right? What's going to happen to whoever can fight this man? And so look at this. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, why have you come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Notice who that is. That's Eliab. Eliab, sorry. That's Eliab, the one that Samuel was sure it was, but his heart wasn't right. And so look what Eliab turns around to do. I know the insolence and the wickedness of your heart. <laughs> for you have come down in order to see the battle. So Eliab is the one that was rejected because of the condition of his heart and then he has the audacity to try to judge the condition of the man whose heart was a heart after God's. Is the whole reason he got chosen to be king. It's not easy for us to judge people's heart, right? Look at 1 Samuel 24 and 5. I just want to, let's look at David's heart. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. So David's heart, the heart that's a heart after God's, smote him because he cut off Saul's skirt. Now the context of this story is Saul is pursuing David to kill him. David finds Saul asleep and can kill Saul easily, right? But he just cuts off a piece of Saul's skirt, and his heart smotes him for, that means his heart just greatly distresses him and disturbs him because it's a heart after God's heart, right? And so if we have a heart after God's heart, then the smallest things should smote us to convict us. So and so he cut this skirt off of Saul. He could have justifiably, all of us say, right, he could have killed Saul. But just cutting off his skirt, just to say, I could have had you. <laughs> Any of us ever do the right thing uh, begrudgingly? But we let them know we could have done something else if we really wanted to. I remember Dad telling one time, I don't want to tell him any of his stories, but um, he saw someone at one point that um, had done disastrous things to him, his business. I believe had, I guess there's no danger now. They can't do anything to him, right? They burned his business. I guess they come after me, but they burned his business down his club down, and Dad was going after them and actually had negotiated to have them taken care of. Dad was in the mafia before getting saved, becoming a pastor, and um, so sanctification is a process, though, right? (laughs) And So Dad ran into this man at one point and um, told the man, You better hope that I never backslide. Because <laughs> if I backslide, the first thing I will do is come find you. So that man's got saved too. And uh, dad told me that story in a constructive way that showed <laughs> that his heart had smote him over that statement, okay? but he cut his skirt off that shows how much he had a heart after God yeah. these things that are so justifiable and so able to do are the real things that we need to talk about as the body of Christ i mean it's easy to not do some of these grandose things and man we've 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 uh, We've had a great time this week over at the house, and we've had some different meetings, and we've talked about the progression through this ministry, Redemption Life House, if you know what I'm talking about, men's discipleship program, recovery program, and so it's not just about learning how not to do destructive behaviors. It's about how to embrace life, and life comes from having a heart after God. Because that leads us to all the promises that he has for us. And so it's one thing to come out of sin and these big, you know, sins, but we need to fine tune the body to where we're really displaying who he is. Look at um, 2 Samuel 7 1 through 3. It's real important that we get our heart aligned with his. Because when we get our heart aligned with his, we'll have encounters like this. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all of his enemies, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, see now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan the prophet said to the king, David, go do all that is in thine heart for the Lord is with thee. Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. See, if we get our heart lined up with God, then we'll have all of heaven behind us accomplishing what's in our heart to accomplish. Psalms 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love this, because if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. But you have, to, you have to adjust your delight, what you find delight in, before he comes into agreement to give you the desires of your heart. Some people just say, man, he give you the desires of your heart, give you the desires of your heart, take so many things out of context. Yes, when we delight ourselves in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Because if you're delighting in him, then that's what fills you, then your desires are going to be full of desires for the things of God. And he's going to fill you with those things. But it's a heart issue. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 6. See, I believe that when Adam and Eve fell, they had a heart transplant. They had a heart of flesh that was sensitive and walked with God in the cool of the day and was full, full of his love, full of him. They delighted themselves in all that he was. I mean, they were full of his delight. And the, and the road map before them was wide open. But give them the desires of their heart, right? But sin came, that lust enticed them, and they give, gave in to sin, and when they did, it changed their heart. It made their heart Hard and cold. All right? And so now, baby Judah, beautiful baby Judah, he's born with a cold, hard heart. Heartbroken. Born heartbroken. Born unable, except by the mercy of God, to feel, connect, or respond to God. That's probably messing with some of y'all. <laughs> Genesis 6 describes it in verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is more deceitful than all else. And is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Psalm 14, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. But that's not the end of the story, right? Joel 2, Verse 12, yet now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Ezekiel 36, 26, moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He is willing to give us a heart of flesh. See, I believe we all are born with this sinful nature, this heart issue, this heart of stone. unable to understand or comprehend the depths of the kingdom. And then no one comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Spirit. And the Spirit begins to supersede all of the limitations of a stony heart. The Holy Spirit comes in and supersedes. I mean, he can make a heart of stone function like a heart of flesh. That doesn't make it a heart of flesh. But it's miraculous. But then when we submit and we repent and we turn to him, we confess our sins and confess and, and, and repent and turn, then he gives us a new heart. And so these verses that talk about the wickedness of our heart, these should not be true about us. We've been given a new heart. It's no longer The old us that lives, but it's Christ who lives in us. He's put a new heart in us. A heart of flesh. A heart that is sensitive to the things of the Spirit. A heart that can be a heart after God. A heart that can be smote when we do the slightest thing that grieves God's heart. We have His heart. What's the evidence of His heart? Look at Luke 6, 43 and 45. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Another translation says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? And so abundance is overflow. How many people have heard a picture is worth a thousand words? Everybody? I really believe when it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks it is literally talking of speaking but i believe it goes way further than that and i think it is <clears throat> us expressing ourselves in any way out of the abundance of the ma- of the heart we express ourselves we we show people who we are what we think and so if before it comes out into the outer man and displays to the world it Has to overflow in our heart. So when someone has some act that is uh, damaging and harmful and destructive and degrading or hurtful or lashing out or all those things, and we say, Man, I just slipped up. No, we didn't just slip up, that was the overflow it's taking time to fill up it's the overflow that we see once it gets to the overflow there's a whole lot more going on than just the enticing lure of lust of the world we've somehow partaken and we've letting some things take root before it ever gets to the place of overflowing from our heart <clears throat> I heard someone ask a question this week in a, in a counseling meeting. I was with another leader, and they asked an amazing question. And I won't be able to word it exactly how they worded it, but the question was, how prevalent are the things of God, the biblical truths, what you know about Him, how prevalent is that in what you say and what you do? How often does that show up in your everyday life? See, if there's a disconnect in this whole thing about what we hear and what we know and about what we think and about what we understand, if there's a disconnect from that, from what we do and what we say and who we are, then I've heard one time, uh, uh, the longest 12 inches in the world is from the head to the heart, right? Right? getting things from the head to the heart. But what comes out, guys, don't be deceived. It's from overflow. I think the bait of Satan is going to be good because it's going to help us deal with some overflow issues, some root issues. But so often we just want to sweep things under the carpet. And I'm not talking about just behavior modification and not doing bad things to prove that our heart's good. I'm saying how full is our heart of the love of God and the things of God that it's not coming out very often. See, that's a less than life. And then we'll just end up trying to behavior modify and try to stop doing all the things that just come naturally out of a broken heart. Instead, let him fix who we are. Let him fix our heart. See, I believe he gave us that heart of flesh, but we got to maintain that heart of flesh. We have a brand new heart that is capable of being absolutely full of the love of God and and absolutely a heart after God in tune with his spirit to lead us and direct us. We're able that our mouth overflow, our expression overflow continually from a heart that's full of the love of God. We're able to walk daily in the spirit. We're able to walk all the time manifesting the kingdom. We're able to act and be as as a demonstration of Jesus but we got to maintain that you know I was thinking um I started thinking about this this week and talking with folks and just about so many times we're like Paul. I know to do good and I do it not. The things I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I don't. And we get so so frustrated about what we're doing and trying to fix what we're doing when we need to go to the root of where that overflow is coming from. So we've got this brand new heart. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's a miracle. Isn't it a miracle? Aren't you thankful for the miracle of being able to sense and respond to the love of God? Isn't that amazing? No matter where we were, when we had no thought of him, when we were his foe, when we didn't have any regard for him, we didn't want anything to do with him, yet he died for us and he sent his Holy Spirit to draw us to him and he broke through all of our resistance and all of our stony heart and somehow he came in and just had us turn to him. We didn't do it on our own. We didn't get some bright idea one day that the path we were on was a bad path and we needed to go find him. We didn't do any of that stuff except for him breaking through and breaking in. You'd still be on the course to death you were on. But he came through and he reached in and his mercy refused to leave us where we are and he drew us to himself and then he got that heart out and he brought us to a place of such faith that we were ready, willing to surrender our life to him. And say, take off all of this old man and this old heart and give me a new heart. Give me a new life. And we have that heart, but then what do we do with it? I preached a sermon one time, Matters of the Heart, and I talked about the different things that pertain to the heart, the physical heart, and parallel that to spiritual heart. And I want to look at that a little bit today. You know, what, what defines the health of the heart? You know, there's diseased heart, but we don't have a diseased heart, right? There's malfunctions of the heart, but we don't have a spiritual malfunction of the heart. We've been given a new heart. So if our heart begins to not function properly, it's a maintenance issue. It's a maintenance issue. It's not a God issue, his inability to give us a heart. Right, We had a heart of stone, guys. How good does a heart of stone work? Do you think he took a heart of stone out and gave us a disease-damaged heart instead? He gave us an absolutely complete whole, as he is whole, heart yes. to be and do all that is in his heart, yes. in his image. Yeah. But what causes a heart to begin to malfunction is the type of blood we run through the heart. And we put junk in our blood through what we eat, right? And then that begins to change the blood and it begins to damage the heart. And so one thing is what we put in it. I love 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not... In Him, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust, but the one who does the will of, the, of God lives forever. So there is the love of God that is supposed to be pulsating through our heart that keeps our heart healthy. A right knowledge of the love of God, a right perception of who he is and what his intentions are to us will keep a lot of plaque out of our heart. So many blockages come. I was telling somebody this this week. If you're offended with somebody, you're offended with God. All offense goes back to him. Because if he's holy, and you can be holy like he's holy, and he doesn't need any man to help him, he doesn't need any man to help him, then no man can hurt him. So whatever somebody did to you that you think has made you less than or lacking, the only way that you can hold a debt to them is if you think that he can't feel it. If you know he can feel it, you'd release them. But you got to hold that debt so you always have a reason. Well, I would be this, but they've got some of my stuff over there. Some of my ability to love and release and function properly. Wow. That all got messed up by that person that did me wrong. And so they've got it all within well, your saying. You're screaming, you're not enough. That's That's nice. yeah. Appreciate the cross, but you probably should have made it a little bit more excruciating or something. Because it was almost there, but just not enough. Because Johnny, he just... He took my stuff. You can't be offended with your, with your brother without being offended with God. Offense is unmet expectations. If we could tap into God truly being able to fill us and complete us, lacking nothing, then we'd never have to worry about what anybody else does. There is a place we can be unoffendable. Not just with our brother and our sister, but with circumstances and situations. Things that don't make sense. Things that we don't understand. How could this happen? I watch people pray, pray, prayer chain, prayer chain, prayer chain, prayer chain. Doesn't happen the way they want to. Why God? We trust God as long as he still is maybe going to do what we say we want him to do. And then the second he doesn't do it exactly the way we want him to do it, then we blame everything on him. <clears throat> I'd say we probably weren't playing with, praying with the right amount of faith to start with. Not that I'm a faith shamer. Right. I just don't understand that. I, I do it. I do it, but I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't like it when some of my first responses win the smallest things. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Anybody ever just have a hard time getting out of the house in the morning? You know, and you're frustrated about something and you literally ask God why? Anybody do that besides me? Like God literally like was supposed to supernaturally help you put your pants on faster than (laughs) you did. You know what I'm saying? He just gets the Flag for everything, right? God, what, why in the world, God? How can why? Why don't you just help me? <laughs> I gave you a brain. <laughs> Set your clock a little earlier. <laughs> but it's so easy for us to just throw things at him, right? And so this identity of who he is, the blood that constitutes and what our heart is full of greatly determines the health of our heart. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Look at uh, Psalm nineteen fourteen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Redeemer. The meditation of my heart. Meditate on truth. Let your heart be set on truth, who he is, what he says, full of the love of God. Look, real quick. I didn't have this in my notes, but I just, Ephesians 3. This always blows my mind. Forever wondering if he's enough to fill our heart. This, this gets me. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. Okay? Right? That sounds like we're about to... What are we going to do? We're going to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner man. We're going we're to do something amazing. Right? Right? We're going to fight something, but here's why we need all that power and all that strength and all that stuff that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. <laughs> I pray we're going we're to just bring all the power of heaven just to give you enough strength to comprehend. Yeah. With all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all fullness of God. And it's crazy. I just love the next one, just to tag it. You know, when it's saying we're going to bring all that heaven has to bear just to empower you enough to be able to comprehend the love of God. I mean, the de- the width, the depth, the height, the, the unendingness of the love of God. We're just, the, 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 the purpose, the vision of heaven is to just give you enough. I mean, to, to enlighten you enough, to the Spirit leads you enough to come and just transform your mind enough just that you would be able to comprehend not do a whole bunch of man, we're going to bankrupt heaven so that you would be a great soul winner and do a whole bunch of good stuff for us up here. Yeah. That stuff will come as a byproduct yeah. of what's overflowing from your heart of understanding yes. the yes. love of God. Yeah. so all of heaven is just like man we all we've got, all our job is is just to get you to comprehend, yes. just begin to get you to tap into. Just got to get you to tap into, my friend, the love of God. Yeah. And then it goes right after it. Now to him who's able to do far abundantly above all that we ask, think, or even imagine. That's, that's who we're trying to comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. And yet somehow we have some unwholesomeness and unwholeness in our heart. You know, Ephesians uh, 4.29, I believe, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only words that will bring edification and grace to those who hear. You know, so many times we've got, we, we've so defined what unwholesome words are. Don't let this list of four-letter words come out of your mouth. I don't know anybody else in here seeing somebody get absolutely Destroyed. By somebody else that didn't use any of these words. I can rip somebody apart without using any four-letter words. And that is unwholesome words that come out of an unwholesome heart. And before they get to there, it's out of overflow. And we should be overflowing with fullness, not brokenness. So we have to... Let the love of God fill our hearts. Fill it with that good, pure, clean blood. Good, pure, clean truth. Don't let it be tainted with all these lies and misconceptions about God. And then here we are, our heart begins to get offended. Many in the last days will become offended and turn away they begin to believe lies about God's nature. I'm not just saying the loving God that, you know, people don't feel like they can approach him. There's people who are misunderstanding God's love to think that he's condoning things he's not condoning as well. Mm -hmm. We should be full up with the truth of God's love to maintain a healthy heart. Avoid consuming lust, bad foods. James 1, 14 and 15, but when one is tempted, he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. You guys have heard me read this many times. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. I don't know all the nutritional stuff, but I just see a nutritional picture when I see that. Don't be enticed by that unhealthy stuff. And then when you eat it, then it does, you know, you can tell me all that. Blake tells me that stuff when we go eat and we eat million dollar bacon and while we're eating he tells me all the health ramifications of it you know and I'm like why do we even order it if you're going to do all this you know (laughs) and he tells me I need to get on some little thing on my phone that tells me how bad I am you know I'm like I'm not doing that joker whatever (laughs) so anyway but you know whatever that stuff does when it goes in I see that being conceived we were enticed then we conceived it then it Turns into stuff, right? Bad stuff. (laughs) And then it does bad things to our body. That's the whole point. Sin, you know, the kingdom of heaven wants us to comprehend the love of God and let it transform our lives. Hell wants us to misunderstand the love of God and let it destroy our lives. The goal of sin is not sin. The goal of those behaviors that we're trying to modify, it doesn't help to modify them because the goal was never to get you to do them. The goal was to get you to do those things and then take on guilt and shame for it and then misunderstand the love of the Father and let separation come there. Everything you've done, good or bad, it's either trying to draw you to Him or away from Him. There's a war over your soul. There's a war over your heart. And it's not about what you do and your actions. It's about what you believe about who God is. And what that means about you, yes. and that will manifest in what you do and who you are. But so far, we've so many times we've got the cart before the horse, and we so somebody's just now being enticed. All right, you see this? That miracle's happening where God is speaking to a heart of stone, and it's being able to respond to Him as a heart of flesh. And then we come in and we tell them they should do all the actions that people with heart of fleshes do. Are you with me? They're not able to comprehend that. They're not able to to be in tune with that. They're not able to sense that or know that or be led by that. We're trying to tell them, with your heart of stone, do what I do with the heart of flesh. I hold you to the same standard that I hold myself to, that I am a redeemed, born-again child of God. The world does not need to be held to that standard. The world needs to be told about the love of God, brought into that place of receiving Him, and then we will help them walk out their salvation. It's a miracle that they have any drawing at all. Jean, a few years ago, we were dealing with a situation, and she just had some revelation. I know it's not super deep, but it was for us at the moment. You can't be mad at people who are blind. You're so frustrated sometimes because people don't see everything the way we see it. They're blind. They don't even claim to have proper vision. And yet we try to hold them to that standard. And you know what? They're never going to come to that place if we're bombarding them just at the enticing phase. You see that? If we're enticed by lust, we're enticed by love. See, God does the same thing. He entices us and calls us away. Come into the, come into the garden with me. Entices us with love, and he wants to conceive something in us that produces love. As soon as they start getting enticed, we're like, Oh, did you cry in that service? Well, then I better never see you do anything wrong again. You know what I mean? It's funny, but it's true. Seriously. Where's the grace of God that helps people grow in knowing him and loving him? So they're enticed. Another thing you gotta do, you don't just eat right, you gotta exercise. What does exercise do to the heart? Makes it strong. How? Makes it work a lot. So you get the right blood in there and then you make it pump a lot. And the way you do that is when you start exercising, it's gotta go other places and it's gotta circulate and it's gotta come in and it's gotta go out. So the way we exercise our heart is that we're full of the love of God, and then we begin to distribute that and distribute that, and every time we distribute that, we exercise. We make that heart pump. We made it feel more. We made it give more. We made it feel more. We made it give more. We have to exercise our heart. Some people just want to sit around and they say, man, I'm full of the love of God. I know who he is, but we don't ever do anything for anybody else. And so we don't exercise at all. We just sit there. And I would say you can't truly know his heart if it doesn't drive you to love people. I was thinking about this. If you think you got heart issues, they give you an EKG. You know what that is? Well, an EKG is normally coupled with a stress test. So they put all these monitors on you to see what your heart does when you begin to put it under pressure. So when you get under pressure, who does your heart say that he is? What does that overflow say when there's a little pressure? That's the only way they can really tell if the heart's good or not, is to put it under a little pressure. So when your heart's put under a little pressure, what comes out? When you're squeezed, what comes out? When you're pressed, when there's a little stress, when there's an unanswered prayer, when there's something that didn't go the way that I thought it was supposed to go, are you still full of the love of God? Does everyone still see that? Or does that expose some lacking and some deficiency and some brokenness in our heart? That needs to be fixed. And God is so merciful to us. I don't believe he sends it. I don't believe he causes it. I don't believe that he would take some, he would heal stuff that he wanted you to have. But I believe he will allow you to face things that will expose the brokenness of your heart. Because he's committed to your heart being whole. And you're not staying in that place of brokenness. Because he understands it. No matter how good all your circumstances are, if you've got a broken heart, you're living less than your intended purpose. You don't know you're missing out, but he knows you're missing out. So he'll let you face some light, momentary trial so that he can reveal in you the glory you didn't know you were missing. He'll let you see those broken places in your heart. So you get a little stress test. Don't avoid all the stress tests. Don't think that you're going to avoid all of them. Right. I got a new heart. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. I'll probably never have a problem again. You probably will. You know, once they kind of see you got a little issue in your heart, it kind of steps up a little bit. They do a little heart cath, Maybe. They can do heart casts different place. The most common place that I've heard of is in your growing. That's pretty awkward. So I just see this picture. Stress sometimes reveals brokenness. When that brokenness is revealed, we've got to decide if we're going to go to the next step and try to get that brokenness fixed or we're just going to take our chances and live with a broken heart. He's good. If he ever reveals it, he's willing to fix it. If he lets you go through stress, it's going to reveal brokenness, then he's ready to fix it. But you got to get naked. You got to reveal some things you don't normally reveal. You got to let people see some things you don't normally let people see. And you got to hold still. Sometimes when we reveal our broken heart, the biggest thing we want to do is run faster and harder. And yeah. mm-hmm. what we need to do is get naked and get still before him. Yeah. Truth is unhiddenness. Mm-hmm. John 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman of well at the well, he says, there's a day coming that people will worship me in spirit and unhiddenness. you worst shape. You'll determine who he is and who you are in a place of complete unhiddenness, and vulnerability before him. Yeah. So you got to lay still. You got to get vulnerable. You got to get exposed, and let him do his work. Look at Isaiah six one through eight. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. "'Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. "'For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. "'Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, "'which he had taken from the altar with tongs. "'He touched my mouth with it and said, "'Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, "'and your sin is forgiven.'" Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. How many of us want to have a situation where we're afraid and come face to face with our depravity and our wickedness? We want to avoid those things. We gravitate towards people who know how awesome we are. We gravitate towards people who want to pat us on the back. We gravitate to some things that we excel in and we just make sure everybody knows that we do those and we throw all of our attention and our resources to that so hopefully nobody sees the broken parts. Sleight of hand. But who are you tricking? It's the mercy of God that's trying to get to you and love you, heal you, make you whole. Who are we tricking? We do it with him. Adam and Eve in the garden. Thought they were hiding, covering their nakedness. Oh, we see we've got a problem. Let's hide from God. Said before, that's a losing battle. Hide and seek with God. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, it says. (laughs) So when you go hide, he's there. And he's loving, he's saying, what about now? Can we deal with it now? Or we want to play again? I'm not even limited by time or space. I don't even know what time it is. You want to play again? you got other things to do. You've got appointed times to... Live and die. Your time on earth is numbered. I'm not limited. We're going to spend eternity together, but I'd love for you to taste some things on that earth that I've prepared for you. I'd love for you to live days without dread and regret. I'd love for you to live without guilt and shame. I'd love for you just to taste the fullness. I mean, all of heaven, we're all working in coordinates right now so that you could begin to comprehend the height and the depth and the love that I'm trying to show you, but you can never comprehend it with that broken heart. Will you just let me fix it? Can we just deal with it? Can we just deal with it? Will you just lay still for a minute? Will you just be vulnerable for a minute? Let me deal with it. A friend of ours wrote a song. I don't even... I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but it just... It's called Wrecked, and he wrote it in a time of revival. And I remember at this place of revival, literally embodying the the lyrics to this song, which is, if you come any closer... Don't know if I can stand it. I wanted more of you. Well, how's that go? Now I've got it, but I don't know if I can stand it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have to have them, but if you come any closer, I don't know what will happen. Don't know if I can handle the weight of your presence. If we go any further. Don't know if I can make it. Don't know how long, don't know if I can take it, don't know how long I'll make it when I stand before you. You just see that being Isaiah. I wanted more of you to see your glory. I got what I asked for. Now I'm crumbling to pieces. All I know is you're holy and it makes me tremble. It's shaking my being just to be here with you the chorus is i'm ready to be wrecked go deeper than before the way it's always been won't do it anymore i'm ready to let go see all my kingdoms fall might lose all my control your glory's worth it all yes. the bridge is come in and take over come in and take over come in and take over i surrender all my life He's so good. He's so passionate about your wholeness. Look at Second Corinthians seven. I'll close with this. Verse eight. Paul writing to the Corinthians, For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss loss. In anything through us. See that? You're made sorrowful so that you would not suffer loss. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For behold, what earnest it this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what avenging of wrong, and everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter innocent is a in a condition prepared for worship, clean and pure. There are some things that We'll have to face that will be hard to face. Now, it will seem sorrowful and bring pain, but it brings healing. I say a coal on the lips is not something I would like to do unless it's his coal, unless it's his plan, unless it's his path. Who does your heart say that he is? What comes out of the overflow of your life? And are you willing, are you willing to let him deal with that? Some of you, I know you've been through the stress test. Some of you haven't liked what showed up. Are we willing to let him deal with that? Are we willing to let him fix that? Are we willing to let him take a cold, cleanse our lips? Notice in Isaiah, he, taught, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. But we know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there was so much deeper than him saying, you know, I've read that verse before and been like, man, he must have said some real bad words. That's how shallow some of our Ideas of what it means to follow God is. Look at that. He punished him for saying bad things. But there was an overflow of the heart. And that coal came in and made things right. I see it as cauterizing it. If what was coming out of the mouth was an overflow of what was coming out of the heart, cold just was like, let's just cauterize that spewing unwholesomeness, wickedness. Let's stop that, heal that, make that whole. Will you stand with me this morning? Prayer team, will you Come? I understand this was a little weighty today. I love to be inspirational and uplifting, exciting. But I don't know what's more exciting than being whole. I don't know what's more exciting than being healed. Let me be vulnerable for just a minute. Uh, Tell of two cities, Tell of two stories this week. More than two, but I, I've had some situations this week where out of the abundance of my heart, good fruit came out. I've had some situations this week where I saw some unwholeness come out and how I handled some conflicts, some situations. I've got some that I'm in the middle of that after today and after preparation for today, I'm on a new direction on how I'm going to handle those. But I'm not just trying to modify my behavior. I'm trying to let the love of God permeate my life. And just begin to take inventory, inventory of what is coming out of the abundance of my heart. I missed an opportunity this week. I got cussed at this week by somebody. My wife got cussed at, which is worse than me being cussed at and yelled at slandered and attacked. and I didn't do anything crazy or evil or bad, but I did not do what I could have done. I did not bring the kingdom in the situation to the degree that I have the power and authority to do because of brokenness in myself. Will you be honest with yourself today? Will you be honest in your interactions and in reflection on your interactions? I've learned a long time ago not to stay in a constant place of introspection, that makes you miserable. But we need to visit there occasionally. And today's a day that I think has been ordained for us to visit there. Instead of trying to grade yourself and see if you're passing so you don't need a procedure... Why don't we ask the Holy Spirit to show us? Not just if we weren't perfect or if we were okay or did we sin, but was there more? Was there more available to me in that interaction? Would it have brought life to them and would it have brought life to me? I held my tongue. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Let me tell you another one real quick. My neighbor was outside putting the basketball together, go together for my boys. And my dad, you know, my dad died in June. He gave me, gave Elias his pickup truck. His pickup truck's been in front of my house. My next door neighbor drove by, rolled his window down. My boy's sitting there and said, hey, what are you going to do with that truck? You going to sell it? I was like, no, my dad died. It was his. I'm definitely not going to sell it. It's very special. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet. Just trying to determine that. He said, well, is it going to sit there for another three months? I said, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. And a thousand things went through my mind to say. And he said, I hope not. And I just turned around and let him go. I wanted to say, my son's 13. He'll drive it when he's 16. He'll probably sit there till then. I didn't say anything, but what I'm going to say to him tomorrow is man, I'm really sorry that that truck has sat there for the last few months. I know that's probably hindered you coming in and out, mail, and just been in obscurity. If you'll give me this week, I'll get that moved as soon as I can. not to pat me on the back. I haven't done it yet. But how often do we just respond like everybody else responds? This is a Christian, man. Huh? I see it so much in the church. I mean, just go out and eat after church and you can hear it in conversation. Just how much do we just talk like everybody else How much are we just as vindictive as everybody else? And I'm not out for behavior modification today. I'm not out for you to go out here and make sure you treat people well. This isn't a treat people well sermon. This is a be free and be whole sermon. Because that's who you are. You don't have to modify your behavior. You are made in his image. You are one that people should look into your eyes and see the fire of the kingdom. I mean, just burning. You should call out everything good in them just by being in your presence. You don't have to fabricate that or make that or fake that or try to be that. That's who you are. Everything else is a lie. Everything else is coming from a place of brokenness. and It's hindering your life. Today, will you just make a step of being vulnerable? There's some wonderful testimonies over the last week as to Ray's got an amazing testimony. I'm gonna let him share one day. Hadn't talked to his brother in 18 years until last week. <laughs> Called his brother. Yes. Because his heart is getting whole. Yeah. Full. Would anybody be vulnerable today? Say, man, I've been going through a stress test. And it has exposed some irregularities, some brokenness, and some weakness. And I'm not coming up as a victim. I am no victim. I am no orphan. I am no poor man. No poor, pitiful me. I am one that is powerful and mighty and needs to remove any hindrance or distraction in my heart, my life. Would you just come up and find a prayer partner today? Just step out. Step out and find a prayer partner today. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.